Ah, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome again. The sun is going down. Maybe the sun is going up. Maybe the sun is going down in your hearts. I don't know. But it's evening time. You know what that means? Even with my voice not doing well this week, lost it nasally, not sounding as good as I can, it's still evening, and it's time for an evening with Jacques. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a fantastic guest. You know him from his show, Nerdificent, right here on the iHeart, How Stuff Works. I still don't know what to call ourselves, Network, Nerdificent. He's also an actor, comedian, writer on so much stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are chatting with Ify Wadaway. What's up, Ify? How are hey, you today? Hey, how's it going? I'm, I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? I feel fantastic, man. I feel okay. fantastic. I, I, I wanted to do this. I should have done this true interview style where I like straight up pronounced your full name, but I don't know how to say it. It's Ify Shikude Ijiomomwadiway. That's, that's okay. how my name is pronounced. Okay. What a fantastic name that it is unfortunate because of our industry that you have to shorten. Yeah, you know, I remember the I there is a moment that it happened because I did go by Ify Shakude Wadiwe. Mm-hmm. And if you go look at the uh, spinners, the the short film I did with uh one Timothy Timothy Chalamet, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you'll see I was credited as Ify Shakude Wadiwe in that short. Mm-hmm. But I was doing some like acting r- workshop and I handed the it was like with a agent and I handed him my like headshot and resume. He was like, What do people call you? And I was like, Well, I go by Iffy. He goes, Well, that's your stage name. Yeah. He was like, the, I if I say this over the phone and the casting director doesn't hear or remember, then that's a rap, you know? Yeah. And, and with and the only reason I was fine with it and I didn't kind of rebuff that or go against it is because I did like for my life go by Iffy. So Iffy always kind of was my name to me, so it didn't feel insulting to you. Yeah, it didn't feel sure. like you were it didn't feel like you were changing, changing your identity yeah, for the sake of work. Yeah, for because for what about you know, for what it's worth, you know, it's I, I go by Iffy. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Iffy, today on Culture Kings or I apologize, today on an evening with Jacquees, we're going to get to know you. We're going to get to know you from childhood. All right. Through adulthood. Okay. Just get a little bit get a little bit inside your psyche. Get a little bit inside who you are, what you think, what you believe, some advice you may have. I got a list of questions I'm going to go down with you. We can banter. We can do whatever we want. But let's start this thing with how I start every Evening with Jacques. What year were you born, Effie? Uh, 1988. 1988, 80s yeah. baby. Uh, here's a question that I also start with this all the time that a lot of people don't talk about. You talk about childhood memories, and sometimes we don't ask our parents what it was like on the day I was actually born. Yeah. Uh, have you ever asked your parents that question? Do you have stories about knowing about the day you were born or your birth or leading up to it? Uh, I don't. I don't have too many stories. The one story I do remember that my mom mentioned was while I was being born. While I was being born, my umbilical cord 
was wrapped around my neck. Oh. And that was a scary thing. They, they you know, they had to be careful so I didn't, uh, you know, uh, die. So, right. you know, oh, just coming out complicated. Yeah. That's, 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 that's who I was. You know, you know something funny about that is because people don't talk about this. Yeah. You only hear about that in movies, but I bet you so many more kids oh, that yeah. happened to them. Oh, yeah. Where... Because, you know, as someone who, like, actually went through it, you know, yeah. the, the pregnancy process, you, there's so much that can happen while you're just in the, the belly, the tummy. Uh, you can move. And sometimes, because, you know, we were having a home birth. And the big thing about the home birth is they want you to come out head first. Mm-hmm. So it's a big, they have to do a sonogram. And it's a big thing to make sure that you're head down. Or if not, they kind of kind of massage the stomach to flip you Turn around. Turn you over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't most births recommended that it is head, head first or else it's breach? Yeah, pretty but, much. But in a hospital... Yeah, like it's There's a lot no, easier to deal with a breech birth than probably in. Oh home. yeah, because you have yeah. uh, the option of like a C-section, a cesarean, right. and uh, so so many different tools. I mean, home births actually have a lot of tools at their disposal too. I was kind yeah. of blown away. <clears throat> so you had a home birth, yeah, you, like for you or for your daughter? Uh, for my daughter. Oh, okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Awesome. All right. Well, before we get there, where were you born? I was born in L.A. Uh, more specifically, I was in Harbor City, UCLA, uh, which is uh, essentially in Carson. Really? Yeah. Uh, what's the UCLA part of that? Yeah. It was one of those, like, you know how uh, universities will have their kind of training like little, hotels? Gotcha, I mean, gotcha, gotcha. hotels, hospitals. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's what, that was like the UCLA kind Ooh. of hospital for universities. Gotcha. Now, here's one thing that I love about... I mean, just people in general, but especially black people, and especially black people who have heritage, like straight African heritage or straight Caribbean heritage, is you guys have beautiful, long, complicated names. Uh, And I don't mean that as an insult. I just mean that, like, nobody's caring about, well, I'm going to make this shorter. Or, you know, they was like, nah, this dude's name is going to have 17 letters in it. This is this man's name. This is who he is. I love that. Uh, what is the your given name? Do you know why you were given that? Does it have any significance from your parents or any meaning to you or them or your family? I mean, I don't. He never told me why he named, but Ify Shakude uh, translates to destiny. Okay. Uh, but you know, the 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 long because there's a thing. There's like a clear cut definition of names, mm-hmm. and then there's like the story definition which essentially means the same thing my dad was like oh if Shakude means what god has written no man can change uh. and it was funny because you know i would i would I, I that's the name i would give and then like of course old black grandmas loved it they were like "Ooh, testimony you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then like i had my period where like you know when i kind of i don't want to say walked away from religion but definitely just kind of removed myself yeah and remove yourself from caring or letting it define who you are yeah yeah and that's when i started telling people destiny but i feel like you know what god has written no man can change you know no matter what you believe in that's a powerful statement yeah that it means destiny but it's the it's uses the it kind of punctuates it you know where it's like it is written it is already done it is fate at this point yeah and you can't do anything to stop it and does wadaway mean anything 
No. No? Not I the Genoa. Just a surname, as far gotcha. as I know. Yeah. But my middle name, Ijeoma, means good journey. Okay. So, destiny, what, what God said no man can stop. What God has written. What God has written. No man can change. No man can change, uh, including your journey. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that. Let's be real. None of us really have memories when we were born. It's just all secondhand shit that we were told. So let's get to your actual memories. Let's get to things that you yeah. know. I think uh, my earliest memory. What was your first vivid memory? My earliest memory was, I don't know exactly what age I was, but I had to be like anywhere in that toddler age. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I tried hot sauce. It was on the table. <laughs> I put my mouth on it and it burned. And I ran and was crying and was rubbing my t- tongue with um, <laughs> with like a towel. And I remember my uncle, my uncle Alex, that I remember was like laughing. Yeah. And- I always tried to connect it as like, maybe that's what was my origin as a comedian. Like, because I remember the fact that he was laughing made me feel better. Like I didn't, because, and and when you see the way children act, it does make sense. If your child falls and you're like, oh my gosh, then even if they're not crying, they will start because they're like, something bad has happened. Right. Their cues, they go to you for the cues because they have no real association with what's Right, bad, right, right, good. right. So that's why, like, if Naomi falls or bumps, I try not to be like, oh, 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 oh are you okay? But yeah. because then, uh, yeah, you just try to be like, leave them alone, yeah. or yeah, like, it's all right. Because as soon as you give them attention, they know, like, oh, mm-hmm. something just happened that's not out, exactly. that's out of the normal, that's out of the ordinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this little bit of pain does hurt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so funny. I, I've always heard that. Uh, people's first memories are big events or something that was jarring, like yours. It's the yeah. burning of your mouth. Mine was uh, my actual second birthday. I just wow. remember the birthday cake coming out with the big two on it, mm-hmm. and I was in my high chair, and then looking over, at like everything is so vivid. The way our kitchen looked, we had a red banner that had Mickey Mouse on it, which is probably so fitting that I'm yeah. such a huge like Disney Park fan. And it's just saying happy. Big Disney Park. Fan. I'm a huge dude. I had season passes. I've been to Disney oh, wow. World five times. Oh, wow. uh, Disney World it, is soulless. Remember that it is a beautiful place. Uh, it's soulless because the only park that Walt has ever stepped foot in has been Liz- Disneyland in Anaheim. Well, that's uh, true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but his vision, his vision. Mm-hmm. was Disney World. But his soul isn't in there. Yeah. So his vision is incomplete, which is why well, Disneyland is better. Remember no. that? And I worked at Disneyland. Have you been to Disney World? Um, no, I haven't. Right. I don't need to. You, you... I worked at Disneyland. I've been inside. I know the ins and outs of it. Mm-mm. And I know that Disney World is trash, which is why you need multiple parks to keep people interested. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Disneyland only needs one park. You're and in. it's too packed. Um, it's, it's too packed. It's too, too packed small. because it's too small, but it's also immersive. The mm. Disney World doesn't have the same level of immersion. They they use their space and size to kind of trick you into being there, where Disneyland does a lot to trick you into realize, thinking you're in a different place with a little. Which is so funny because if Disneyland could own all the property around oh, them, they, they I, would. They it would make Disney World too. Uh, they would and they should, but I think they can't. it's best to leave it as is because we already have that. Well, that's why he went to Disney World. He was like, I don't want, I want to own everything. Yeah. So he went to Disney Orlando, which, too much swamp land. land. Yeah, they were like, I can just take it. I can just take all that shit. I would be willing for Anaheim to give up that whole area, because all that's there is 
bullshit. It's just yeah. a McDonald's that's way too expensive. Every yeah. time, and it and it stays packed. And I'm like, really? Because that negates what McDonald's is there for. You go mm-hmm. to McDonald's because it's the cheap option. Might as well go to IHOP, but then that's overpriced. I I think that should be illegal to to raise, raise prices raise for the prices area just because you're next to Disneyland. Yeah, it is whack. It's whack as hell. Uh, let's talk about where you grew up. Uh, right. Not necessarily your neighborhood yet, but your actual household. Yeah. Uh, what was the household like? What was it? Was it an apartment, house? How many people were in it? What did your room look like? What What do you remember from your house oh, yeah. growing I mean, up? Well, the I rem- the when I start remembering where I lived, it was definitely when I was in Compton, and we lived in the same complex for up until I was like probably sixteen, seventeen. Mm-hmm. In Compton, and my dad was the manager of the complex too. Okay. So that that kind of was the cool thing, is you know. Also, that led to duties later on as I got older. Like if someone got locked out and needed a key, my dad would make me go get the key. Right. And I remember that whole process. But the household it it changed different times. So when my mom and dad were still together, it was a packed household. It was me, my sister, my dad, my mom, my aunts. And uh, and my grandma were all in the house. And then also my other grandma. I think both grandmas were in the house. No, 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 no. Because uh, I think my grandma was still in Louisiana at the time. So it had to have been my uh, my grandma on my dad's side and all my aunts. Like three of them. Not all of them. One stayed in Louisiana and is still there to this day. Mm-hmm. Then when they divorced, my mom and aunts moved out. And then it was my dad my grandma, me, and my sister for a little bit. But then he would have, like, people from Nigeria who he kind of wanted to help them get settled. They would move in and live with us. It was only, like, generally three people that did that. He would, uh, they'd move in, and they'd kind of, like, live in the, in the, in, like, the open bedroom, the guest bedroom, and they would just be there. And then, like, my Uncle Caesar eventually came, which was his actual, like, blood brother. Mm-hmm. And he was there for a hot second. And then he, like, moved to his own place. And then he moved in with this other Nigerian cat. And that was a whole thing. That's dope. So yeah. it was, you got you got a lot of family. Yeah, I always had this. a pretty full house. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about the top, top of that house. Uh, let's talk about your parents. Tell me about them. Yeah, I mean... My dad, you know, very uh, he's from Nigeria. He's uh he immigrated here, met my mom who's from Louisiana, who came out to LA from Louisiana. Somehow they communicated with their thick accents uh <laughs> and uh, had me. My dad is very he's a very like t- type A person and he's like definitely is all about planning. He's all he's and you know, he was very serious for a long time. I remember uh, sometime when I was a teenager, I asked him, like, do you have any hobbies? And he was like, no, my hobbies is working. It was mm. like, no. He's like a typical African dad. No, or yeah, the like, stereotypical always, African like, dad. always like hard work. And he yeah. would always tell me, he was like, you work first, and then you get to party and relax when you're later. Like, he was definitely of that mind of like, you, it. you, you work hard and then you retire and party. But like, I'm like, I'm not going to want to party when I'm older. Like, that's right. like, like I want to party now when I'm young. Right. And we've always butted heads on that. And my mom, she's a little more chill. She's a little more free spirited, you know, very adventurous, you know, very impulsive, definitely where I get like a lot of my impulsive tendencies and kind of like relaxed nature from. I know mm-hmm. that's definitely my mom, uh, which is why me and my dad always kind of had like friction. I friction. Feel like. Yeah. 
It's weird though because what you say, like you, I would classify you as a very hardworking person. Yeah. Who also you work hard, you play hard. Yeah. Uh, and and I don't I don't think that is a matter of the generation of past didn't yeah. have that same capacity because some people did that even yeah. back in the day too. Um, but I think is your does your dad is your dad following your career or is he? Oh yeah, so now he's like very aware of like what I'm up to. Okay, I mean when I was starting, it got like it was very it was a very spicy situation. Like, yeah, because he got me a job working for the LA County Register Recorder, and like you know in retrospect, I figured out like he essentially got me the job there, working this full time job because he kind of saw me in school and was like oh this he's he's not gonna finish this or yeah. if he does it's gonna take a while so let me at least give him a good job and so i started working there with him but i hated it i can't work in a cubicle like and i think artistic people can understand like there's something about sitting in a cubicle and when you work in a like job like that they expect you to sit there from nine to five just working or mm-hmm. or pretending to work or working slow whatever it is they want you seated yeah I'm a very social per a person I was constantly getting in trouble from being away from my seat and uh, talking to other people. And then, like, I would get into these arguments with my superiors because it's like, look, I finished my job. Right. So that's why I'm chilling. And then they're like, well, you get more work. And I was like, well, that doesn't make sense to me because why am I doing more work than everybody? Right. Why am I doing more? Exactly. And but that's that's how the government work. And that's why it works slow, because there is no incentive to be a better employee. If you're a better employee, there's more work for you. If you just take your time and, you know, do the least amount of work till nine to five, then you then you're good. And you get paid the yeah. same amount. Exactly. With the same type of exactly. benefits and upward mobility mm-hmm. <laughs> and all that shit. Uh, yeah. 100%. That sucks. Um, who was more strict then? Your oh. mother or your father? Oh, definitely my, my dad. He was yeah. more strict, but he eventually kind of uh, swapped a little bit because I stayed with my dad after the divorce because my mom had to go to Louisiana mm. to take care of my granddad when he got sick. And that's when him and my grandma came out was when my mom came back. But after that, I was staying with my dad. And my dad was pretty strict. He he had like wild, weird, strict rules on things. Like I, that's why I never did football. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always kind of like a thick boy and I never got to play football because when he came out here from Nigeria, he met, some dude, like his first roommate, I guess, used to play college ball, got injured and lost his scholarship. And he was so afraid that, A, I guess I'd be good enough to get a college scholarship, but then B, then would get injured and get dropped. Even though the rules for that have changed since that time, you know, yeah. but he never cared. But he, he was off, often like, and I'll never forget this. This was such a, such a like standout moment for him, for him to me. Mm-hmm. Is he said I couldn't join the football team at uh, Sussman at the time. It was South Middle School. Then the year I came, it was called Sussman and Downey. And I wanted to play football. And he was like, no, you can't. And then, like, I just kind of went about my life and was doing it. And then, like, at some point he was like, oh, I thought you were on the football team. I thought you went and did it anyway. Mm. And the fact that he, if that was the case, he wasn't going to, like, reprimand me because I think he would have looked at it as, like, well, you wanted it that bad that you lied. Go ahead. You know, that, I think, is when that kind of tw- uh, switch in me kind of went off where it's like I'm never going – because I kind of regretted that, the fact that I was like, oh, if I just would have did it anyway because mm-hmm. I was begging him, begging him. And he was like, no, no, no. And I was like, but it's just this. And he was like, no. 
And then like to hear like, oh, if you would have just, you know, did it, I guess I wouldn't have cared, you know, because you already did it. I just never, I felt that regret. And then that's kind of how I've lived my life. It's kind of blossomed and got stronger as I saw more success in this path. But it's kind of like been my through line in my life where if I want to do something, I do it. Mm. I don't try and live. That's that's what made me leave the county job to do uh, do acting and comedy was I just was sitting at my desk one day and it was very short. It was very close to this. There is, so the, the cool thing about the county job, you were talking about all the benefits and stuff, is the retirement is sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do a certain amount of years there, if you do a solid 60 years, you get to retire and get paid uh, monthly 80% of your highest salary for the rest of your life. Wow. So you, you're, you're pretty much set. And so obviously everyone's trying to hit the, hit the stay longer so they can get a higher percentage. And uh, th- I remember I was working in this department. There was this lady as old as dirt. She had to be in her upper 90s doing the same job as me. And the job had a lot of mobility because we sold birth, death, and marriage certificates. So, like, either you were scanning and moving it and walking papers up and lifting things up. And I would see her, and she'd be so old. And I'd be like, why is she working here? And then she one day uh, she got sick, and she got so sick that she had to – she she was forced to retire because she was sick. And she died before she got her first retirement check. Yeah, it's just like, what's the point? Like, yeah. I you stay like, here all that time to get that and yeah. didn't get to enjoy it What at all. you were working so hard for. That's and that, sad. But that's the trap of it all. That's, that's kind of what they want, if you think about it. Like, yeah. unless you start at 20, which for a lot of these jobs, I was young. A lot of people don't start as young as me. But then there were people who started as young as me and then were still there. And that was a weird thing because they'd have this weird animosity for me because, like, mm-hmm. I'd be moving and I was thinking about, like, you know, uh, upper positions and putting in my time and they would look at me like how dare you think you can do this but it really was like no that you can do this too right. why are you mad at me and it's just this idea i think it's you know some people get into this headspace of like that's not for me i can't do this right and just kind of target anyone who wants to move past them and it's like no and so that was another thing. I was like, I don't want to be, because it's very easy to get comfortable in a job like that. You got, I, you know, I was getting paid pretty decently. I mean, I, this was back when I was doing it, it and obviously with, because you know, county government jobs, you get a raise with when the cost of living raises up. Mm-hmm. So this might not seem like a lot then, but it, like at like nineteen twenty, I was making like three three uh, thirty five hundred a month. You know, nineteen twenty. Uh huh. In nineteen twenty. Oh, I was nineteen twenty. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I was I like, was, nigga, how old are you? Yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like nineteen twenty, making like uh, thirty five hundred a month. Yeah, that's and a lot of money. At man. the time, living with my mom, not paying rent, so that was like just You're stacking money. bread. Yeah, but I wasn't stacking bread. I was spending that shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've always been bad with money, uh, and it wasn't until like as recently that I started getting better with it, better mostly with because you have to in our industry. Because if uh, for, for people who aren't aware. In our industry, lots of times you make a huge lump sum of money and then you aren't on a gig for a minute. Yeah. And the idea is that this lump sum of money is supposed to last you. But if you, you know, I remember at midnight, I did not save as much as I should have and could have mm-hmm. because that was like my first writing job. It was the most money I ever made ever. You know, I'm making like, you know, I was getting about 
what like i was saying i made like 3500 a month mm-hmm. i was making like that much a week you yeah. know and at midnight was a nightly show so i was working non-stop you know like most shows you work maybe 20 weeks i was just i worked for a year just getting that much i mean obviously taxes were eating the shit out of it mm-hmm. uh and but like i have had the most money my daughter was being born so i was able to just pay for everything just mm-hmm. right out of pocket it was like solid but i wasn't saving any of it because there you get to a point where you're just like oh this is just always going to keep coming yeah you know and you don't think about it and then the job uh stopped and uh eventually i did run out of money and i was like i need work luckily i was able to get more work yeah good (laughs) stuff so now i'm just uh you know being smarter about it and you know you got to think of the long haul because we're in a tricky industry because talking about traps you know um there's always that big check you know like Mm -hmm. like that big check that's coming and i feel like that's it's easy to like psych yourself out of properly saving because Mm -hmm. you know you're like, well, that big check's going to come, and that's the money I'm going to buy the house with. You know, mm-hmm. when I sell this show or when I sell this movie or when I sell, get book this pilot, that big check will go to the house, so I don't need to worry about saving for a house. But why? Why wait yeah. for that big check? You know, why not have a house when the big check come and pay that shit off? There you go. There you that's go. That's what my, my financial consultant told me. I love it. Dude, he's a smart guy. She. Uh, she's a smart person. Yeah. She's a smart on, lady. It's 2019, Jackie. I'm not woke. I'm not woke. <laughs> uh, do you have a story of the most favorite thing you ever got disciplined for as a child My from your parents? Favorite thing, or just a mo- your most vivid thing that you got disciplined for? I mean, I, as a child, I'm not. I'm not gonna say it because you can watch it now. I I recorded it on. Uh, I I did a this this is that story for BuzzFeed. And I told the story, and the story is also on my comedy album, but it's when uh, the FBI came and talked to me. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people have been like, is that real? And it's like, it's 100% real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, like, having cyber sex on the internet, in retrospect, probably with a FBI As a agent. child? Yeah. Wow. Uh, How old were you? I was I've... probably, like, 14. Okay. You know? Okay. I was just... Um, going at it and then the fbi showed up because they said my language was so advanced they had to confirm that i was not an adult wow but my but they handed like a stack full of all the cyber sex messages to my parents wow and they were mad Uh, yeah they laughed Uh, at me though they they, it was like funny mad where they're like because you know you can't really be mad at a you're 14 year old for being horny like yeah, that's in their that's, nature that's in their but nature it's just you still i think i still got banned for the internet from for a while i bet i bet yeah. what about what about something that you were younger that's probably not as big but it was a funny like you look back on it now and it's like that was pretty funny um let me see oh uh i, th- I think one of when i was in uh i think it had to be like first or second grade i didn't know that jack was short for jack shit you know, and everyone just says Jack. And then so, like, I remember a teacher at school was like, what are you doing? I was like, Jack. And she was like, what would you just say? What would you just say? I'm going to tell your parents what you said. And I think, like, my parents didn't care because I didn't curse. You didn't yeah, curse. Yeah. 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 It, was, it was such a, like, obscene thing to be mad about. But it's funny now looking back at this, you know, adult being asking this kid, like, what are you going to do? Jack. I was like, oh, shit. That's, That's very funny. Yeah. I want to find out a little bit more about you and your late child tween ages. Mm-hmm. But we're going to do all of that when we return on an evening with Jackie's. Classic set. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We are having a conversation, learning about the early life and just the adult life. We're mixing it all in right here with Iffy Wadaway. Iffy, we talked a little bit about your parents, uh, your, your, your early childhood. Who do you think you're most, you say you're most like your mom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh do you do you have grandparents? Yeah. Okay. All right. they, do you mean do they are they still alive? Are they, the answer to that is no. Okay. No. But do you have do you have memories with them? That's oh, yeah. what I mean. Okay. Mm-hmm. Correct. Because some people's grandparents died when they were younger, so yeah. I didn't want to assume. Uh, do you have any like attachment to them? It's like oh, I'm just like them as well, or no, there's not- a little part of them because I grew up in the house with my mom and my grandmother, yeah. so I have mixtures of of both of them in me. Yeah, no, my 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 grandparents kind of were in full grandparent mode okay. with all my me- memories in the sense that, uh, you know, really didn't get to see most of their personality. Like, I remember my grandma, she was like a jokester. She was very outgoing. So I guess that, that was something on my dad's side. Mm-hmm. She never spoke English. And one thing I'll never forget is there was a older Mexican lady in our uh, apartment complex who didn't speak English, but her and my grandma would somehow communicate with whatever small English they knew, and they were friends, and they would walk to the store together, and it was, like, great, you know? That's cool. Yeah. So let's talk about the family name. Uh, what were holidays like at, at in the Wadaway household? Well, it was wild because, you know, by fourth grade, my dad had remarried, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's where my older brother Ricky, uh, stepbrother, uh, and my uh, younger, or technically my same age sister, Aaronique, came. And... It was like rowdy. We were some rowdy ass kids, and then like add in when my brother Kobindi was born, it just got even rowdier. Like there was just five kids in the house at the same time. Uh, I think, all living in different households throughout the year. Huh? No, no, all in the same. Oh, house. All in the same house. Yeah, oh, all okay. In the same house, and my 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 sister was interesting because she went from the baby because she was the baby for most of us, even when my dad remarried, and then my little. Uh, my little brother was born and he was the baby. And I feel like she took that kind of weird. Like that was, yeah. it is so funny. Like sibling psyche, mm-hmm. how like all that type of shit does kind of have an effect on kids. Like being the middle child being like, I definitely think there was, um, there was something to like having a sibling who was literally my age because mm-hmm. I was kind of like doing all right. But I feel like, you know, I, I've, I've always kind of been like the person who does just enough to, to to get by like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be the overachiever trying to get the a mm-hmm. you know i'm i unless it's like in something fun funny or creative i loved i've ever since a kid i've always been a creative kid i've loved being funny but when it came to school work and all that shit i just did just enough to to, to get by yeah you did just enough to not have to do that great again yeah, yeah. and then, uh but when my sister came, she is like an overachiever and she kind of just stunned it on me. So there was like this litmus test of how good I could be doing mm-hmm. under the house. And it just un- unintentionally became this contest. Like, okay, my, my sister's got close to straight A's. What does Iffy have? You know, oh, you got all these B's and a C. What, what's up with that? And, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, well, that would normally be fine. But because we got A's in this household, it's like a big problem. Right, right. Uh, did you guys go? Cause all right, so you're you're a child of of a early divorce. It sounded like when you were yeah you were like younger when I was in kindergarten, I think. Okay, so you probably don't have many memories of your parents' marriage or the turn or anything like that. Yeah, no. Uh, but 
at what age was it like? All right, we're we're coexisting as a family, or did that not happen? No, that your... that that did happen. Okay. Uh, I think that kind of happened. Who? Uh, probably like when I was in high school. Okay, because so there there later. was like this like light animosity, and if I can remember based on pieced off stories, because you know you never get the full story. Mm-hmm. Uh, when my mom moved to Louisiana to take care of my granddad, before that, I was living with her. Mm-hmm. And when she came back, my dad didn't want to give me back to her. Okay. And so that started a whole beef. And so that was like a saga for a minute. But like it all kind of crescendoed into this moment where like one time I was being bad and I got spanking. And it was one of those spankings that like the in the belt buckle ended up getting, but it wasn't like she was trying to yeah. spank me with the belt buckle, but I ended up getting welts from it. And it was just right before I went to my mom's house. And so I was like being a little fucking asshole baby about it and like, oh, look at this. Mm. My mom took pictures and we went to like child services. Wow. And yeah. And so that turned into a whole thing. I And it's crazy because like those are my only memories of it because that's that's what it was like the me as a child i was involved took pictures and then i went on with my life and then they kind of had well yeah you out. didn't you didn't know the fallout they yeah. had to deal with the fallout yeah i i, I do remember though because ricky caught me and he helped come with a good one he was like because you know my stepmom worked with kids mm-hmm. so uh like i could have potentially gotten her fired if like that would have went further i don't know how they ended up settling it out yeah but uh Ricky hit me with a two-piece in the chest. I'll never remember that. I <laughs> yeah. walked in, and he was like, pow! He's like... And who's like, Ricky again? Just Ricky for... is my older brother. Okay. Uh, I did and that, and that was... Sibling day. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And that is your stepmom's son. Son, yeah. Gotcha. And he was older than me. And I looked up to him all my life, so that, like, it really kind of, like, shook me a bit that, he, like, he was like, he was like, you could have got her fired, you yeah. fucking, fucking around. And, but, like, that's all he did. You know, he's always been, like, now that I think about a good brother, he just hit me with the two-piece... And just left it at that. And like he that, never, you knew. Yeah, he never like you know, tried held it over my head. Anything yeah. beyond that. You yeah, know? it was no need. It was yeah. no need. Yeah. Um. So, what was what were some of the traditions? Because it, it sounds like you grew up uh, mostly with your dad. Yeah, um, but I was with my. But mom you were with your mom weekend. too, because like, they were still in close proximity. Yeah, yeah right? they would do every weekend, so it was it okay. was very cool. Um. So for holidays, then. What are I'm interested to hear this then. What were some of the traditions in the dad household, like food, gifts that you would get? And what were some of the traditions with mom, who okay. is a more American? Yeah. Uh, so my mom, it was pretty simple. Like, she's from the South. So just big cookouts, yada, yeah. yada, yada. My dad, it was interesting because, you know, he grew up uh, Catholic in Nigeria. So I grew up Catholic when I was with my dad. So I remember every Christmas, I would hate that shit. We would start the day off and go to church. But, mm-hmm. the, but then... I thought I'd escape it if I go to my mom, but she go to church. And then eventually it made me want to do my dad's because Catholic church is like about an hour and a half. You're in and you're out. My mm. mom's Baptist. So we were in that right. bitch way too, too long. long. Like, I'm like, I got toys at home, like mm. waiting for me. And I'm sitting in here and we on our fifth song, second <laughs> encore, you know. And we ain't even got to the prayer yeah, yeah, and the yeah. sermon yet. Yeah, yeah. The sermon hasn't even started. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, that's why I was always like, all right, Christmas at dad's. Bet, bet, yeah, bet. Yeah, yeah, only because yeah. of that. You know, I hope my mom never thought, like, I didn't want to be around her. I just wanted to play with my you toys. You just wanted to play with your toys. Yeah, I only yeah. wanted to go to my mom's after the service. Like, yeah. I'm not coming for that. What was the best gift you ever got? 
Ooh, as a kid. The best gift I ever got. And I, and I have to say it because, you know, it, it's, it's so much a part of who I am now today is I convinced my dad to get a PS2. And nice. we got it. And I remember, too, because um, we had a PlayStation and then they took it away because they said we were playing it too much. Right. Because we, we, they didn't get that. They didn't get it. Yeah, they didn't get it. And also, we probably were playing it too much, like, because they had the rule, like, only on the weekends, but we were sneaking to play that shit. Mm. And, like, you know, they, they like, took that shit, and they had to have pawned it, because I never saw where it was ever again. <laughs> and so you I liked, looked. Yeah. I uh, wrote a whole contract to my dad for the PS2. I was like, I will do the homework. I will always, I'll only do it on the weekends. Please let me get it. And da, 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 da. And I know it's very expensive, so I'm willing to share this gift with all my siblings. Yeah. And it got it. You got it. And I used That's to hold dope. that over their head when people didn't want to let me play. I was like, I'm the reason we got this shit. Right. Like, like I said I'd share it with y'all, but y'all didn't ask for this. I right. burned my gift for that. Y'all still got a gift. Right, you know, so right, uh, y'all still got a, 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 another gift on yeah, top yeah. of this. This is my gift. Get the yeah. get off this shit. And I, I signed the contract. Y'all only got to do homework yeah, to yeah. play this shit. <laughs> That'd be funny if they did use that loophole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this was for his homework. Yeah. Never mind. That's funny. Uh, all right, let's talk. Let's talk about this because uh, I feel like a lot of times, a lot of people, as we transition over to like the teenage young adult age, uh, a lot of people usually have something they want to be when they're a kid and they, you know, that goes away. Some people don't. Like I, you said, I as a young kid, I never ever thought, what do I want to be? But I always liked entertaining people. Yeah. Uh, I always did that. So it was in me from a very young age. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a kid? Huh. And I'm talking like up until high school kid where most people start forming this is gonna sound corny as fuck no man no corny but an actor i've always wanted to be an actor as a kid it was something i but so this is the fun part of the story is like my dad's from nigeria Mm -hmm. my mom's from louisiana like in a little you know poor town so no one knew what to do with that like i would watch you know keenan and kel and be like i wish i was on all that and i wish i can go down there and But there was just, like, no one in my family. And then, like, you know, even though I was in L.A., it's kind of like this idea that, like, all you would, sit, you, you would see that it's so close to you, but you didn't know anybody who acted. So, obviously, it had to be impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I just, it would just stay just on my mind. And then I remember every, I, I would just want nothing more than the world i would watch these shows Mm -hmm. and i would want nothing more than the world to be a part of that and i just you know never never once did it hit me to take drama not a single one and not not once you know did my parents kind of tap me and be like you should do drama not until high school uh senior year senior year wasted and that that i did uh i was duke senior and as you like it my dad came out and he actually really did like my performance in the play. And he was saying he, he that was the short, there was like this flash in the pan where he was like all in. He was like, you should do this. Mm. You should go to college for it. And like my, my drama teacher at the time was like, Hey, if you start acting at long beach city, uh, talk to uh, such and such there. He's the head of the drama program. He's my boy. Mm. And he'll like, you know, get you involved. But like after I graduated, I kind of like spazzed a bit. Uh, because I went into community college and there was this idea of like, oh, I don't have to come to school. 
I don't have to go to these classes. There's no, like, it's all on me. And instead of being like, okay, I have to dedicate myself to this. I was like, oh, I'm just not going to show up. Like my first two years in community college was a straight wash because I was missing class. I was getting like multiple W's because like my teacher was like, there's no way you're passing this class. I was like, all right, then I'll get a W. Mm. And just that kind of freedom because I never had that discipline. Right. And then it wasn't until after those two years. I think it, even I think two years after those two years, because after those two years, my dad started making me pay for college because he was like, well, if I'm going to be I'm not going to pay for your classes if you're not going to them. Right. So then like shit's sh- very fair. Yeah. Shit's uh, switched up. And so like now that I'm paying for them, I kind of was a little more invested, mm. but I still didn't have drive. I what, didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. Uh, I, like I think I wanted to go to, into pr- computer science, but nothing really like was driving me behind it. So and, you fell back to your original love. It was like, I want to be an actor. Well, or yeah, an entertainer, was, performer. Yeah, exactly. So what happened was I was a TA for Lars or Mr. Hansen, I called him back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had his own indie improv team in the OC called Cherry Spitz. And he was like, hey, you were pretty good. If you ever want to do improv after this, let me know. And so I remember it was actually my mom who like one time, I forgot what happened, but somehow I was doing something with Lars and mm-hmm. my mom was like, didn't he say you can join his like improv team one time? Like, I think I might have told my mom, he was like, you should do that because didn't you like doing that? And I started doing improv with them. And so that's that's when things kind of started to straighten up. I had a routine. I wasn't yet on like my I'm still I'm ready to be an actor shit. That kind mm. of at this point in my life kind of escaped my mind. I was just kind of lost, you know, just your your early, your late teens kind of lost kind of going through life trying to figure shit out. Right. And so from there. I built a routine. I was by then I was in the county. That's when that like that moment when my dad saw me not going, he was like, Here, you get a job at the county because you're gonna need it. Mm-hmm. Uh and I I was working the county. I had the night and what was tight is at the time they had night shift. And that's I wasn't birth, death, and marriage at the time. I was uh the document recording sessions. And that's where like all tax liens and stuff, like you would uh you would scan those into the system so that everyone who has a lean out on somebody, you know, the county has that information. And so I would go, I think the the hours for that were like probably like three or four to like midnight. Mm-hmm. And what was tight about that is I still was able to have that college life. You know, I was still there in the day with the kids and I was taking classes and I was feeling good about it. And then they cut that program because they were just paying because we had to get a pay bump since we were overnight. And so they were like, no, nah, we're cutting that program because we don't want to pay that pay bump to cut prices. And then that's when my shit was shook up because, like, to me, night school was so lame. I was like, that's where old people, that's when they go to college, you know? Like, right. like I'm trying to be out here with the young baddies. Right. <laughs> but then at the time, it still was a routine. I'd work and do school in the middle of the week. Weekends, do a show with Cherry Spitz. Work, we show, work, show, work, show. And then we started performing at stages mm-hmm. in Fullerton uh, where they have the OC Improv Fest now. And uh, and we were just like, that was just my thing. And it, it I felt happy, but then that's where I felt, where I got comfortable. Yeah. Because I was just going through the motions. I was just doing all of this and I was kind of feeding that artistic need. And then two things happened that kind of shifted. I started dating uh, my, my ex, uh, Tiffy, and she was an actress. And she did my, Little Shop of Horrors at that same theater stages. Mm-hmm. I went and watched her. And she was great. She killed it. 
But I remember watching her and it immediately reignited the it was like it was like you know how uh in those cheesy movies where someone forgets who they are or who they want to be and they're locked away Mm. and then like someone says something from their past and And it opens up and yeah that's kind of what it was for me like seeing her i was like oh yeah this is what i always wanted to do but i always suppressed it because it just seemed impossible yeah this is what i wanted to do and so you know she being the star girlfriend at the time talked to her director and got me on, they did a show at the Long Beach Playhouse called uh, The Best Christmas Pageant Ever. And so I did that. And that was fun, but it immediately helped me figure out I didn't want to do stage shit. I was like, no, I'm trying to be on TV. Yeah. Like, this is this this is cool and all, but this ain't what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And this is when it was in that weird uh, place. And it was funny because we did Token Friend with, uh, with uh, Brandon Smith, I think. Let me get his name so I can say his Brandon name. Brandon Ball. No, 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 no. This most recent one? Yeah, the one yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Brandon Bell. Bell. So we did it with Brandon Bell, and he was kind of talking about um, how, like, because people were asking how he got into acting, and, you know, he said back when he was in USC, nobody knew what they were doing. Nobody knew how to do it, so nobody could really guide you. You know, you just, it was where, and that's kind of how it was starting. Like, I would ask people and everyone would give me some kind of advice, but they still didn't like the. So there was a guy, I forget his name, Paul something. He, he was he was a three name person. He was very extra. He um, he killed the game. He was actually he was supposed to be Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors, but got mad because they wouldn't give him like lemon tea before. Like he had crazy demands before every show, <laughs> but he was like a great singer, great actor. And he like was an acting coach for kids. So he supplied all the kids for this play, but he was like, but in order to get the kids, you have to cast me like mm. that. That Like he had his little fucking yeah. f- finesse hustle. But, uh, so he, I asked him cause he was like, he was real excited because he was on like some like home, like there was some HGTV show where they would like convert people's homes into like a Christmas thing. And like he was talking about how he cheesed it and like, you know, was extra and ended up getting more screen time because of it. Cause he like pretended to be this doofy dad who was trying to be the best. And like he even had like, he like had a, a buddy who was a carpenter and he was like, does it hurt to put a staple in his hand? He's like, I do it all the time. He was like, you could staple my hand. So they did like a bit where he accidentally staples his hand to the wall. And like, of course, you know, reality TV people are loving it. So he kind of played the game and got all the screen time. And then he was kind of posturing the whole time as if he's like this big TV guy. So I was like, Hey man, I'm trying to get into it. What, what should I do? And he was like, get you a copy of backstage and just look through the back and get those. And I was like, okay. And like, I was at the time I looked at the price of backstage and I was like, ah, oh, no, nah, I don't want to pay that. Yeah. Then I met someone else in acting, a good friend of mine. Uh, uh, and he, I asked him and he was like, like he was, he kind of tried to give me advice, but like, you know, looking back his story, he got kind of reps out of college. So he never had to do that original grind, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so there was that. And then it wasn't until I met, uh, Sean Landry, who you, if you've ever seen es- essence or mm-hmm. she's, she was on there. It was, I bumped, it was going to, there was an old, uh, old school indie Herald show called like, um, something Herald. Uh, but it was like an indie Herald show where people would do it. It was like a mashup Herald. It was real tight. And it was that artworks. 
And this was my first indie improv show too. So I'm, my mind's already being blown at this new side of improv I saw. Cause up until this point, this is, I'm taking UCB classes. Uh, oh, I might've jumped ahead because if I'm taking UCB classes. So let's rewind a bit. So this guy tells me that and I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that advice. But I knew I did want to do TV. And then Matt Apodaca from Candy Dinner, he hit me up and he was like, yo, listen to the, this Donald Glover episode of WTF. I think it's great. At this time, I've been doing improv for, what, maybe five years? So in my head, I was like a much bigger deal than I actually was, mm. especially being LA-based. And listening to the episode of WTF, you know, Donald Glover's like, there's not that many black people in improv. And he was like, you know, there's, I think he's shouted out like Marshall and a few other black folks, but I didn't hear my name. And like, I was, even though I knew there was no way I was still kind of half expecting that maybe, you know, the waves I was making in the OC got down to mm-hmm. him. But the fact he didn't say my name, I was like, that's where I need to be. I need to be a UCB. So I immediately signed up for classes and took classes back to back. And then through that met, uh, the homie Ryan Haley, he put me on to indie improv. Then I go to an indie show. All this I'm still trying to do acting, but I don't know what I'm doing until I meet Sean Landry. And she, I was like, I want to be an actor, uh, but you know, uh, but I'm not really an actor. And she was like, What are you talking about? You're an improviser. You are an actor. Right. You just act without a script. Right. And then she was like, Go home, get your headshots, get an actor's access, get a uh, go LA casting, submit yourself, and that's how you'll get started. Yeah. Sure enough, I did just that, and it just set me on my way. It took That's one dope. person to just give me the tools. That's why whenever anybody now ever asks me for advice or how to get into stuff, I'm always so fill, excited and filled to give that information because like, meeting her literally changed my life because yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. And then she finally set me on the path, and that was it. I started going. I was calling out of work to go to auditions and stuff. I called out of work so many times they suspended me for two weeks. And it was funny because I was like, bet, suspended me for two weeks. That's two weeks straight I get to just audition. Yeah. Get zero yeah, auditions. Of course you got no zero auditions. auditions That's how that weeks. shit goes. Yeah. It's so funny. You earlier said something uh, about all that and Nickelodeon. And I'm the same way. I was born in 86, so we're around the yeah. same age. And I can't imagine how many kids our age wanted to get into acting because of Nickelodeon and the Disney because before our generation there was none of that yeah. really there was maybe some but like that was the those were the first channel especially Nickelodeon and then later on the Disney channel where they were like oh no man kids can be stars oh yeah uh, and also and you was, think about think about too not only could kids be stars but they also had diverse kids there. Yeah, so I got had, to see people like me doing what I want to like do. You. And I was like, oh, this shit is real. I yeah. can make this happen. It's dope. We're going to take a break. When we come back on an evening with Jack Keys, we're going to do some rapid fire questions to blow past a lot of really cool stuff that we want to learn about if you want to play. Yes, yes, yes. We're here. We're back. Evening with Jack Keys with If You Want Away. Iffy, let's do some rapid fires real quick. Okay. Some rapid fires. Uh, what was the big first world event that you remember from growing up? Like, though, this is a big deal. Like, mine was Princess Diana dying. Oh, man. Yeah, that was that was something. I think I want to say 9-11, but that's not true. The mm-hmm. first one for me was Tupac's death. Tupac's death. I remember, and I, I don't remember just when it happened, but I remember we went over someone's house. Mm-hmm. And they had a daughter who was like 16 or something. And they were talking about how she was really having a hard time at it. And I saw like 
her post her wall had like Tupac posters. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, she's really having a hard time with his death, and that and and that's when I was like, oh shit, this really this is, is a affecting. Deal. Yeah, this is yeah. a big deal. It you was. Know? It was. What uh? What's some of the what's the, what's the biggest invention that you remember growing up? Biggest adventure you said? Invention. Invention. Ooh. Oh, fucking the cell phone. The cell Hands phone? down. Yeah. I remember okay. getting my first uh, cell phone. It was a Nokia joint. Yeah. Uh, with Snake. And I remember, you know, that was the hot shit. Like the kids with the cell phone. And yeah. then, like, we worked so hard to um, convince my parents that, like, being on the, uh, like, being on the phone, like, is, is going to make us safer. And yeah. it worked. <laughs> See, for me, the biggest invention I remember, because even though the cell phone was a big deal for me to get, I remember, like, my granddad had a cell phone in the 90s. And so, like, it wasn't a foreign concept for oh, me. Oh, God. Uh, the iPod is pretty much why we have everything we have now, <laughs> technology-wise, cell phone, the smartphones. So, Instagram. Like, all that shit spawned from them creating the iPod and it just like the web just fucking grew yeah. from there. So for me, like I always say the iPod was the biggest invention of oh, my yeah. of my entire life uh to this point. It was such a revolutionary if, thing. If we go on that road, I would say Kazaa. Kazaa, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. that changed the game. That did change the game, dude. That changed the game. Uh what's different about growing up today than when you were growing up? Um What's different about growing up today when I was growing up? I definitely mm-hmm. think porn. Like, it's just to be on brand and be horny. But it, I'm. you remember, you would just type some shit into the search bar and hope you landed on a porn site. Yeah, yeah, it was hard, man. Yeah, like, you, like I remember my first porn site. My first porn site was olderladies.com. Yeah. And because, like, I don't remember how I found it, but I found it, and I knew that there was titties there. And, yeah. you know, and it, and, and... I just would go there. And then older also, lady. yeah, yeah, it was older ladies. They were there, you know, looking back, they were probably like in their 40s. Like it definitely was older. Like they're But when you're 14, 15, that's old as hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they definitely went up the spectrum of old. There was all that. But they, but they you know, some of them still had them titties. Yeah. You know? See, I got uh, a couple years on you. So like I, before like the porn, internet porn, like I was still sneaking like them tapes. Oh and yeah, shit, like booty talk or 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 yeah. uh, you remember booty talk the booty talk uh, VHSs? Yeah, because my mom had a roommate uh, when I was like sixteen, and I remember going through the VHSs looking for a movie to watch and finding like a blank VHS and finding it was a porno. And I was yeah, like, oh shit. Yeah, and so I was pop that in. And watch <laughs> I used to wear that shit out. Yeah, yeah, yeah that shit is wild. Um, what were some phrases that were popular when you were a teenager that you used to always say? Oh, uh, proper. Uh, proper. That was something my brother Ricky brought from Pomona. He was like, "That's proper." You know, uh-huh. like that was that was tight. But like, tight is still here. And tight I still is still use here. Tight, and I love tight. I've bought. I've say dope a lot now. Yeah. And dope was definitely when I was a kid. Yeah, a lot of shit has came back. Came back, and we're just like, you know what? This uh, uh, lingo isn't uh, isn't you know a fad it's yeah. just how we fucking talk and oh, i yeah. love that i love that we've gone back and just say yeah what was cool then is still cool now well that's why it's so funny when you see people get into these debates online and if someone uses any type of black vernacular or slang or any mm-hmm. slang they try and make it seem like they're so dumb for using it mm-hmm. but language is ever evolving and to try and like think you're smarter than someone because you're using like a classic set of a classic set for your vernacular Makes you look dumb to me because it just means you don't understand how language works. Yeah, 
Yeah. I feel like everybody, this is their first moment of true adulthood is learning how to drive. Uh, That is the first, like, oh, shit. This is an adult thing. Uh, of course, there are a lot of people, especially uh, young black kids who get brushed up against adulthood very earlier than they should uh, for various reasons. But this is uh, one of the first happy <laughs> adult yeah. things that, that a lot of people come into contact with. Uh, when did you learn how to drive? Who taught you? And what was your first car? Um, I learned how to drive when I was 17. Mm-hmm. Um, at first my stepmom and dad tried to tell me my dad, I scared the shit out of him and he never wanted to teach me how to drive. So it was up to my stepmom after that. Mm-hmm. That was because there was a U-turn I had to make. And I essentially made a switchblade turn because I turned the wheel and just smashed the gas mm-hmm. because I learned, I was learning how to drive at a time where I started picking up, uh, a arcade game called initial D very heavily, which was a drifting game. Mm-hmm. So my my perception of turning the wheel and driving was fucked. So that my dad was like, never again will I be on there with you. My stepmom took her time, and then they eventually hired us to go to driving school. And yeah. Then, uh, you didn't have to. We had to in Illinois. Like, it was really? a part of your, It was part of our high school curriculum. There was a driver's ed class, but it was a elective. Oh. So that's why I didn't uh, end up doing it, because I ended up needing some other elective and having to leave. Gotcha. But- I do remember my first car was a my first first car was like a very old like it had to be like a not the Mitsubishi Mirage but yeah I think it was like an older version of the Mirage my brother had a Mirage and then my sister had the newer version of the Mirage my first Mirage ended up getting fucked mm-hmm. and I think it was because of me um, because I was like I I didn't know how to do burnouts properly so I would just reverse a long time and then shifted into drive and then smashed the gas, not knowing that that was murdering my transit transmission. Yeah. 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 That fucks it up. Um, we've talked about your first job. We've talked about, we already know you went to university or a college. We talked a little, we talked a lot about you as, as an adult. Um, but here's something we haven't talked about. And you're the first person I'm going to get a chance to talk about this with, who I've done this with, is you are a married man. Yep. Uh, so how and when did you, first of all, would I've met your, I've met your wife. She's a very dope-ass mm-hmm. lady. Uh, what's your wife's name? Aurora. Aurora. Uh, when did you meet her? How did you meet her? I met her, I think at this point it has to be like five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even longer. Shit, time is passing so fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I met her outside of Sketch 101 with Lee Rubenstein. She just drove down. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, she just drove down from San Francisco start, uh, trying to start her new L.A. adventure on the right foot, and I fucked it up because she met me. <laughs> she met you, and the rest is history. Yeah. Um, what'd you like about her? Uh, Well, the first thing I liked about her is she said she wanted to do stand-up, and I invited her to my show, and she came. So that already was bonus points because I'm I'm big into like if we make a plan if we if you say you do you gonna do something you do it I like it mm-hmm. uh you know she was very you know friendly outspoken I think one I really knew uh I was like on like I was into her is that um she um when she 
came to me like it was like labor day when we kind of like first started hanging mm-hmm. and we she came to a, like a white women labor day function with me and we got there and she just left on her own and was socializing with many different people and i just like that about her because you know i've been with so many people that like you go to a party they're just up against you the whole time mm-hmm. so for someone to just kind of go out and be able to like find their you know connect with people talk to people especially in a place where like i wouldn't have mind if she did that because i was taking her into like my like i was expecting that and it would have been warranted because she didn't know anybody there right but she was like no i'm gonna just go out and meet people so that was cool. cool that's dope uh how's you guys get engaged how and when did you get engaged uh we got engaged at birds because i wanted to do it on stage at ucb and then jake sprague did it literally a month before i was oh i remember that (laughs) i remember that so he was like god damn you motherfucker what's the next best thing so it doesn't seem like it's the fucking same thing yeah and it's birds because that's just the ucb hangout that's the ucb hangout how wild is that that you had a plan to do something that to my knowledge, hadn't been done. Yeah. And then somebody did it. And Jake Sprague is a dope dude. Yeah. Uh, somebody did it at Herald Night. Yeah. It was on the fucking, like, people took videos and clips and shit of it. He was like, God damn it, this I nigga know. messed up my engagement. I know, fucked my whole shit up. I was like, <laughs> damn, dude. That's very funny. Uh, all right, man. Well, what, is, uh, what was your wedding like? Uh, it was you know, dope. Yeah. We wanted to, so, uh, you know, Aurora always wanted to just elope. Like, she didn't want to do a whole big thing. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, we can't do that, but we can keep it chill. And so we just had it in our apartment. We had a big apartment re- wedding. I streamed it on Twitch. I fucked up the audio, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was, and I think the audio was officially gone. The drive it was on got wiped. But, you know, we had it in my apartment and we streamed it on Twitch. It was a, it was a good time, a fun day. That's dope. Yeah. It was very unique, too. I yeah. like that. Uh, speaking of unique, what makes sure what makes Aurora unique? What makes what? her special? Um, I there's there's a lot of things that make her special. I mm-hmm. think if I'm thinking of what makes her unique is she is like kind of she reminds me of me in the sense that she's like a very big dreamer. She likes to, you know, to to just kind of explore and fantasize about things. Mm-hmm. I'm different in the sense that I seek out what I want. And I don't focus on dreaming. I focus on working towards it. So, mm-hmm. like, it's kind of a good mix to kind of, like, there is, like, something to, like, taking a second to think a thing about what you want and not necessarily only have your head down working mm-hmm. towards it. Gotcha. Let's talk with um, what I'm assuming is the happiest and dopest thing that you <laughs> and uh, Aurora have created, which is your beautiful daughter. You talked about already, Naomi. Yeah. Uh, how is that, man? It's wild. It's, you know, for the first, like, few months, you you really keep looking at your child and be like, shit, we made that. That's, yeah. That is just a, a, just a result of human science just mm-hmm. right in front of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it's cool. It's such a journey. It's, it's such a fun and beautiful thing to really watch you know just this beautiful thing kind of grow like you watch your your partner's belly get bigger mm-hmm. and then next thing you know it pops out a baby yeah. and the baby is like could barely do anything it's just a silly little bean and then the next thing you know they're kind of crawling around next thing you know they're kind of 
stumbling around, leaning on things, grabbing stuff. Next thing you know, they're walking. Next thing you know, they're talking. Next thing you know, they're going to the bathroom by themselves. The next thing you know, you're getting choked up because you're dropping them off at preschool and they're just chill. They're like, bye. Bye. Get out. Go. Yeah. 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 How old is she? Uh, She's going to be three in May. Got you. Yeah. Um, Hold on. We can tighten this up, Dan. How, so how did you guys decide? No, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, all right, so she's three. I'm sure you have a lot of great stories. What's your favorite story so far? My favorite story so far is probably uh, hmm, is just uh, when the the time my parents or her grandparents uh, figured out that she how she tries to finesse us mm. and it was we were going out for father's day and she was sitting next to aurora and aurora was feeding her food and then aurora had to go get some food or something so she like moved naomi next to me and the spoon dropped and as soon as aurora walked away she grabbed the spoon and started eating mm. and my parents was like she can feed herself i was like yeah she was like, she just gonna let Aurora do it because she gonna do it, but she know I won't. <laughs> and I was like, and she already so know. Yeah. She already knows. She's yeah, like, she'll get away with, with whatever you let her get away with. Yeah, just like her dad. <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, what is something that is? She's three, so you know. I know I don't have any children, but just from having nieces, uh, that three is an age where they they start talking a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Even if they don't always make sense, they they are formulating thoughts and sentences. Uh, what's the funniest or most embarrassing thing that she said that she was like that you didn't want to laugh in her face, but you couldn't help? Well, it's it's interesting because Aurora's Argentinian, so she's um, speaking to Naomi in Spanish and English. Uh, so she's not like rattling off sentences that much yet because she's learning. Because she's learning two languages. But like Got you know, it. it's funny because for a while I've been like, oh, she's just going between words and 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 babbling until i figured out that no she's just speaking spanish and i don't understand her um, <laughs> but one time she saw a bug and i guess like a bug is like bicha uh-huh. but it sounded like she was saying bitch ass like bitch ass <laughs> and so like i was like what and i didn't want to like laugh in her face but it was funny <laughs> just a three-year-old bitch ass yeah bitch ass like, you're like who are you talking to well you're right that is a bitch ass bug out there <laughs> That's very funny. Uh, what do you think as a parent that you've bought into raising your own kid that your parents bought to you? Like, do you see any part of them in you? Or oh yeah, intentionally or unintentionally? Or are there parts where you're like, you know, I don't want this, but it's ingrained in me from what I grew up with. Yeah, no, it's 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 so true. I think that the, my first there's many different ways I see my parents throughout me. One of my biggest things is I always would imagine that I'm so different from my dad. But I remember one day I was walking to work um, at, at midnight at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm dressed up. I had my fit on. I had like a fit I bought and I had a bag. And my dad, one thing I always remembered is like he was always wearing a suit and had a bag. Like mm-hmm. when he would go to work, he'd carry a, like a briefcase to work. And I kind of stopped and laughed at like, oh shit, I am just my version of my dad. Like, yeah, I'm not wearing a suit, but I did like, I am excited about this fit. This is a expensive outfit and I have a bag that I'm going to work with. And it just was such a clear cut moment of like, oh, I am mirroring my father right now. Mm-hmm. This is who I am. 
with my with with my mom it's every time i'm like impulsive and stuff that i do with my daughter like i notice i just kind of pick up the way she disciplined us which is you know i remember one time she kept jumping on the couch and uh Aurora was trying to like get her to stop. And I was like, no, let her, let her keep going. She going to learn. And then eventually she did like bump her head and she's crying. I was like, see, mm-hmm. see, that's mm-hmm. why I was telling you not jump. But now, you know, it's and it's tough so, love. And it was so funny because I was like, oh, that's totally something my mom would do. And yeah. Now I'm doing it. She would, she's going to wait for you to learn your lesson instead of trying to teach you. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is true. If you bump your head, that's going to stick with you way more than if you were to like actually listen to me yeah i mean so a teacher of mine said something to me one time and he was we were talking about dogs but it was like yo dog he was just saying how dogs and like cats and stuff are just as smart as we are he's like yeah a dog may not be as intelligent as a human as far as like communication and stuff but if they put their hand on a hot oven and burn their hand. They gonna know not to do that shit again. You yeah. ain't. You don't have to tell them <laughs> like anymore for the rest yeah. of their life. Don't touch that oven. So it's the same thing with kids. Oh, like yeah. once they if they do something and they realize that resulted in a bad uh, result, then they gonna stop. They yeah. definitely gonna stop. Uh, all right. What's the best thing about being a parent? What's the best part and what's the hardest part? Um. I think the best part about being a parent is like, you know, I feel like we're in a time where we are often thinking about the future and the effect it's going to have. And we're dealing with a lot of like shitty people. Mm -hmm. But then we also deal with a lot of great people. And knowing that you can kind of help make another great person, like in the end, my daughter's going to be who she's going to be with. But if you give her the tools to be a great person and guide her, I I think I'm going to make another awesome person. So Mm -hmm. knowing that I can have, you know, that effect that like, I am creating one more better person going out into the world. Mm-hmm. I'm not teaching her racist bullshit. I'm not teaching her. I'm teaching her respect everyone to to know that there's going to, and I feel like that's what parenting is about. I'm going to equip my daughter with the tools she needs to survive, but also to help her interact with people in a way that doesn't require any further teaching. I'm going to try and give her all those tools. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, and then the we'll most start. frustrating thing is like you know they they require a lot of attention. They they everything. Um, and this is something that kind of grounded me. That I'm glad I heard every uh, when when my wife was still pregnant is that everything bad that happens to your child right mm-hmm. now in their early age is the worst thing that's ever happened to them. That's true because they're, they 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 have an experience no life. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, it's crazy. It's it's and, and like they they are kids are intelligent in the way they act, emote, and perceive. And sometimes it is hard to remember that. Like this is a three year old. You can't like she. It's not personal. It's not. Yeah. She's just trying to learn about the world. Yeah. So that's the kind of the hard stuff is to not take shit personal because there is like sometimes she'll just want to be with her mom and not me and like will diss me and like you want to be like well fuck you <laughs> yeah but but it's like no you just you, you want to be with your mom right now you don't know why and i'm gonna let you do that yes we're gonna wrap this up this part one of our week with iffy up iffy i got a lot more i want to learn about you we're gonna rapid fire some stuff when we get back learn a little bit more about what i would say is the happiest parts of your adulthood life. We're going to do that in part two. Is that okay with you? Yeah, yeah. No, that's perfect. Then let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is An Evening with Jacques, part one of our conversation with Ify Wadaway. 
and we'll be back with part two this Wednesday. Thanks for listening to An Evening with Jaquees on the Culture Kings episode. You can find me at Jaquees Neal on all social media. And if you want to check out Edgar and what he's got going on, at Edgar Montplazier on Twitter, at Graham on Instagram, at Culture Kings Pod on everything. We will return with the conclusion, part two of An Evening with Jaquees with Ify Wadaway in just a couple of days.